But let's open up our Bibles to 1 Kings 19. Woo! 1 Kings 19. Series is called Recalibrate. Recalibrate. Last week I gave you the fancy definition of the word calibrate, and I'm not going to try and read that again. It's there in your sermon notes. I'll put it up on the screen for you. But it's, it's a lot of gibberish that I narrowed down to three words. I, I like things simple. If you've listened to me very long or, or uh, sit here in the church very long, I like to make things simple. I like to understand things simple. So I got three words out of that long definition. That one is, what is the standard? To calibrate something, we need to know what the standard is. What is the basis? What are we measuring by? What are we trying to get? What are we shooting for? What's the standard of excellence in anything? Whether it's sports, your job, your family, what is the standard of excellence? What are you measuring by? If you're basketball, your, your standard of excellence may be LeBron James. It may be Michael Jordan. It may be whoever. Your standard of excellence in any area of your life could be someone, a person. We also see ultimately the standard in our life is the Bible. So number two, once you know what the standard is, now we've got to figure out how much we're off, how much we're different, how much we different, differentiate how much we deviate from the standard. That's the second part of calibrating. And number three, once we know how much we're off, now we gotta decide what are we gonna do about it? If we find out we're off from the standard, then we gotta make a decision. Are we gonna change anything? Are we gonna conform? Are we gonna adjust our lifestyle? Are we gonna adjust our efforts, our energy, our focus? Are we gonna do anything about the gap between us and the standard? We gotta decide that. It's one thing to know what the standard is, it's one thing to know how far I'm off, but it's a whole nother thing to do something about it. We gotta actually do something about it. If we want change in our life, we've got to change. <laughs> gotta change. So we're recalibrating. So there's lots of things we can recalibrate. I'm gonna talk about in this series. One thing, the first thing we can recalibrate is our bodies. Physically. That's one of the things that one of the benef huge benefits I find in fasting is you recalibrate your body. You get rid of toxins, you get rid of junk, you get rid of stuff that shouldn't be there. You're, you even physically, the Bible, or not Bible, but even medically, they'll talk about the benefits of fasting. You will clear out some junk out of your body. Anyway, we'll move on, so you're excited about that one. But we recalibrate our physical bodies, that's, that's a good part. Then we also got to recalibrate our ears, what we listen to. You're going to hear a lot of things, but we need to recalibrate our ears. We're going to talk about that today. Then after we recalibrate our ears, we can recalibrate our mouths. We need to recalibrate what comes out of our mouth. That'll be a good one. You don't want to miss that. <laughs> then we're going to recalibrate our eyes, the things we put in front of us, the things we're focusing on, the things we're seeing. And then we're going to recalibrate our minds. The things we're concentrating on, the things that are tormenting our thought life, we're going to recalibrate that. So don't miss the upcoming weeks as we talk about these things. But today, we're going to recalibrate our ears. We're going to recalibrate our ears to the right voice. How many knows it's important what we listen to? Have you found 1 Kings chapter 19? I'm going to tell you a story today. Not a story about a man named Jed. I'm going to tell you a story... But I mean, that's too old of a reference. You've got to use more relevant references, Chad. Nobody know anything about the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> First Kings 19. Story about a man named Elijah, a woman named Jezebel, a man named Ahab. And verse 1 says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets 
with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he, he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. I don't know if we've ever said that literally, but I'm sure figuratively or maybe even in our minds, we've said this a different time, said, Lord, I can't take it anymore. Get me out of here. I'm done, Lord. Just go ahead and take me home. I can't take it anymore. This is what Elijah prayed. Why? Because Jezebel had threatened him. We're talking about recalibrating the right voice. Here's the first voice. I'm going to talk about three voices. Here's the first voice that we're going to have to deal with in our life. Number one is the voice of Jezebel or the voice of the enemy. And this voice comes in our life to bring discouragement. This voice comes to intimidate us, to try and get us to be afraid, to try and get us to back down from doing what God asks us to do. This voice comes, roar, I'm gonna get you. This voice comes and says, you won't be able to do it. You can't do it, I'm gonna get you. This is a voice of the enemy tries to bring discouragement, intimidation, and fear. This is the voice of Jezebel to Elijah. And this was what he was, what he was speaking, or what she was speaking over him. Now, why should Elijah be afraid? He had just killed 450 prophets of Baal. He should have been sitting pretty. He should have been bold as a lion. But it's one thing to hear voices, and it's another thing to listen to voices. Here's what I mean. He had heard Jezebel's voice before because if you'll study the chapters before this, Jezebel had already killed all the prophets of God and Elijah had hid a hundred prophets in a cave. So he knew she was a bad mamma jamma. <laughs> he knew that already. He had heard her threats before and it didn't stop him from going up on Mount Carmel, shout out to Mount Carmel, to going up on Mount Carmel and killing, he executed with a sword 450 prophets of Baal. That's boldness right there. Cut him up with a sword. So now, but what's different? Jezebel speaks to him and now he runs for his life afraid. What happened? He heard this voice before, but today he listened. There's one thing, we're gonna hear the voice of the enemy, but it's a whole different deal when we start to listen to it. When we start listening to his voice, whatever he says comes with the package. Fear, intimidation, discouragement. Be careful when you start listening to the voice of the enemy. He's going to try and get you to run and hide and give up on what God has put in you to do. The voice of the enemy is coming to us all. It comes every day. It may not be the devil, you may not have horns and a pitchfork, but there's something that comes to you that says, quit, give up, you can't do it. That's the voice of the enemy. And we gotta recalibrate our ears where we're not in the frequency of the voice of the enemy. We're not listening to him. So now let's see what happens. When the enemy comes, what should we do? Verse five, then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Eat. 
I believe that's what the Lord's speaking to me. Arise and eat. Verse 6. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. I dreamed about that this morning. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. Can I insert something right here? When God's doing something in our life, he also wants to throw out to you, the journey is too great for you by yourself, but you don't have to go through it by yourself. Here's what I would say. I I jot this down. I don't want to miss it. If we don't walk into impossible situations on our walk with God, then we better check because we probably aren't following God. Let me throw that out again just so it gets down our spirit. If on our walk with God, we're not walking into impossible situations, we better check ourselves because we might not even be following God. Because the journey's too great for us by ourselves. God wants us to walk into impossible situations. So we look at him and go, God, I need you. All right. All right. But what happens when the enemy comes? The journey's too great for you. How many of you are walking through a situation right now you feel like the journey's too great for you? I want to encourage you, you're not alone. You're not alone. The journey's too great for us by ourselves, but praise God, he is with us. So when the enemy comes, look what Elijah does. What does he do when the enemy tries to overwhelm him? Verse 8 says, so he rose and ate and drank, and he went on the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights. That was some super food. Ate one meal and lasted him 40 days and 40 nights. Went on a fast right there. And went as far as Horeb, the mountain of God, and there he went into a cave and spent the night in the place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He goes into the mount of Horeb, the mountain of God. What is the significance of that mountain? Maybe you don't remember that, but that is the place where God showed up to Moses in the burning bush. Here's what it speaks to me, that when you're going through a difficult time and the enemy's talking to you, telling you you can't make it, you're not going to do good, you're going to get overwhelmed, trying to get you to be afraid, we need to run to the presence of God. Run to the presence of God. He went into a cave, God on Mount Horeb, which represents the presence of God. When the enemy's trying to overwhelm you, don't run away from God, run to him. Run to him. Go to your Mount Horeb. Your Mount Horeb may be your bathroom. Your Mount Horeb may be a closet. Your Mount Horeb may be your car on the way to work. But when you feel overwhelmed, run to your Mount Horeb and get in the presence of God. Get in the presence of God. Let him speak to you. Let him encourage you. He's going to come and show up. If you're faithful, I tell you this about a a faithful time with God. If you're faithful to show up at a place of God, God will be faithful to show up to you. If you'll commit to prayer in a time and say, God, I'm going to show up here every day. You may not hear great things every single day, but if you'll keep showing up, he'll show up. Go to your Mount Horeb. So look what happens. God speaks to him. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10. Look what Elijah said. So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone... Am left and they seek to take my life. I have been very zealous. Here's the, fir- the first voice was the voice of Jezebel, the voice of the enemy, voice of discouragement. Here's the second voice. We know this voice very well. This is the voice of Elijah or the voice of our flesh. This is the voice of depression. 
Notice what happens when God says, what are you doing here? What does Elijah start saying? He starts talking about who? Starts talking about himself. Starts talking about the me monster. He said, God, I am very zealous. That word zealous just means a strong competitive sense, demanding one's rights at the exclusion of the rights of others. In other words, I don't know if you've ever done this, but he started demanding his rights from God. I deserve better than this. I haven't done anything wrong. I did what you told me to do, and this is how I get treated. Where are you, God? Where are you at? I've been, I've been good. I was doing what you asked. I've been zealous. Anybody ever heard that voice who wants to start campaigning for me? Me, 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 me. What about me? What about me? What about my needs? What about what I'm going through? God, don't you pay attention? This is what he started to say. Then he goes on at the end. He says, I alone am left. I alone. I thought it was curious. I looked up the word there, I alone, and it's one Hebrew word, bod, B-A-D. It really is. So it tells me something, whether it's in English or in Hebrew, being alone is bad. The word means separation, means isolation. It means where you, this voice starts speaking to self-pity. It's self-centered. Come on, this voice is all about you and not about anybody else. It's all about your rights and not the rights of others. Be careful, listen to this voice. This voice brings justification because it will bring everything that you've done and set it before you and say, look what you have a right to complain because you've done all this good stuff and you still have these bad things coming against you. You deserve better. Be careful when you listen to a voice that wants to exalt you. The voice of Elijah in this context, so the voice of the flesh, always wants to turn inward and get us discouraged and say, nobody has it as bad as I have it. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody appreciates me. This voice is going to try and talk you into depression. Do you know what depression is? Depression is an overemphasis of you. It's an overemphasis of what's happening in my life. It gets me me focused. I turn inward. I get isolated. And this is a tactic of the enemy. He wants us to turn into islands. He wants us to disconnect. Here's the temptation. When we're going through difficult times, we want to isolate ourselves from other people, disconnect ourselves, and spend more time by ourselves, which is the worst thing we can do. You want to be healthy in your relationship with God? You need to stay connected. When you want, feel this urge to pull back, to stop serving, get out of connect groups, stop being involved. When you feel that urge, you need to resist it. That's the voice of the flesh. You need to stay connected and make sure that you're hearing the right voice.
We need to recalibrate our ears off of the me monster. What about me? I've got it so bad. Nobody's got it as bad as I do. I understand we're going through things. This is the voice that was trying to talk to me just in the last couple days, trying to get me focused. I had to shake that voice off and say, wait a minute, there's another voice that's speaking to me. It's the voice of God. So I have to shake off that selfish me. Nobody knows how bad it is. Look what happens in verse 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind, tore into the mountains and broke the rocks and pieces before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. The word still, small voice there means a delicate whisper. I know I normally maybe talk kind of loud. But I want to talk in a whisper. We can't hear a whisper unless we're quiet. Is it that God's not talking to us in our life? Or is it that our life is too loud to hear him? I promise you God's talking to you. You just may not be able to hear him over all the other noise. Over all the other things going on in our life. See, sometimes things get too loud in our life and noise gets us out of bounds. Isn't it odd? Isn't it weird? I'm going to try and stay soft in my tone. Isn't it odd that if you have a problem in your balance, in your physical body, that it's a problem in your inner ear? Is it possible that what we're listening to brings balance into our life? If my life is out of balance, I need to check what I'm hearing. If you have balance problems, they take you to an ear doctor. I don't need to go to an ear doctor. I hear fine. I just got some balance issues. No, no, no. Your problem is your inner ear. Same thing when we get our lives out of balance of problems. Sometimes we got the wrong noise. We need to be careful what we're listening to. The still small voice is trying to speak to us because the opposite is white noise. White noise is when there's every frequency going on at the same time. And when there's every frequency going on, guess what? You can't hear the still small voice of God. You can't hear one frequency because you got all of them going on at the same time. So we gotta make sure we gotta single out what's, what God is trying to say. Here's what the English poet John Dunn said. Maybe you'll relate to this. He said, I neglect God and his angels for the noise of the fly. I neglect God and his angels for the noise of the fly. Let me illustrate it for you. You know what it's talking about. You're trying to concentrate. You're trying to do something. You're trying to pray. You're trying to concentrate on God. Oh, squirrel. Okay, I'm going to really spend some time with God. Oh, oh, beep. I got a buzz. Oh, okay, I'm going to put it down. Okay, I'm not going to. Oh, it vibrated again. Oh, okay, God. All right, Lord, I really want to hear. Oh, hang on just a second. That's probably the noise of the fly. It doesn't have to be your phone, it could be anything. We neglect God sometimes for the noise. We joke about it, we call it ADD. 
So well, I just can't help it, I can't stay focused. Oh, no, no, I'm telling you, God's challenging us. We need to focus our attention on the things of God. We need to be able to turn it off, set it aside, whatever it is, whether it's TV, your thoughts, your email, friends, whatever, and say, God, I'm just gonna hear your voice. What is the solution to the noise? It's silence, stillness, being quiet before God. When's the last time that you sat in complete silence before God. Something just to think about. Silence is not passive waiting. It's active listening. Come on, hear me. Silence is not passive waiting. It's active listening. When we sit in silence before God, we're determined I'm going to hear him. I'm listening for him. So we have to set ourselves aside for that. Here's what this other guy said. His name was Henry Nowen. He said, silence is an active war against the competing voices in our life. It's an active war against the competing voices. If we're having trouble hearing God, what do we need to do? If someone has trouble hearing you, what's a phrase that we say all the time? I can't hear you. Well, maybe you need to clean out your, clean out your ears. I did a little research and acoustic engineers have this have this thing that they do before in television and music, sound engineers will go through this acoustic cleaning and they will sit in complete silence for a period of time before they go into a studio so that they're prepared to really listen. Silence comes before hearing. When I get silent, I can hear more clearly and that's what they do. This is what we need to do in the natural. We need to spend more time in silence so that we can hear better. The, the, the way that we can hear better is not by getting around more noise. It's getting around more quiet. If we're going to hear the still, small voice of God, we've got to get quiet. We're going to recalibrate our ears to the voice of God. Do you remember, remember the movie Night's Tale, maybe some of you? Again, this old reference. In this movie, Jeffrey Chaucer, when he's introducing Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein, <laughs> he said, in Greece... He spent an entire year in complete silence just to better understand the sound of a whisper. (laughs) We're going to hear the voice of God better when we quiet everything else down. Turn down the noise and some other stuff, all of a sudden you'll be like, wow, God's talking to me loud and clear. He's been talking the whole time. He just, you couldn't hear him over the other stuff. Let's go to the next voice. Go to verse 13. So it was when Elijah heard it, he heard the still small voice of God that he wrapped his face in his mantle. That represents prayer. That it means he engaged God in prayer. When he heard the voice of God, he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And here's what he says. He goes back into his voice of complaining. I've been very zealous for the Lord. Children of Israel, bad people. I've done what you're supposed to do. They've done all the bad stuff. I alone am left. Remember, more voice. His, his ear was tuned into this frequency. He was hearing the voice of me. But look what happens in verse 15. Whenever we focus on ourselves and how bad we've got it, look at the direction that we find in verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, go, return your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael, 
as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of, of uh, Abel, Mahola, and you shall anoint uh, as prophet. In your place it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Now go back to verse 15. Here's the third voice. Voice of the enemy is trying to discourage us. The voice of our flesh is trying to depress us. So now we need to listen to the voice of God, which is trying to give us direction. Here's what happens. I noticed this in this story. Me monster, sorry, feel sorry for me, self-pity, self-centered, Elijah. What is the remedy that God gives Elijah to fix his selfish, depressive problems? The first word in verse 15 is, let's try it again. Maybe you're not looking. The first word in verse 15, I'd say not the first word, that's then, I'm sorry. The first word of what he said. Then the Lord said to him, Go. 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 Sometimes what we need to do when we're getting self-centered about ourselves, we need to go and do something else. We need to go do something. He gave him an assignment. I want you to go and anoint three people. Elijah could have said, wait a minute, Lord, I don't care about Hazael and Jehu and Elisha. What about me? What about me? This Jezebel woman's going to kill me. What about me? Give me an answer for me. I'm giving you an answer. Go serve three other people. He says, go anoint them. You know what the word anoint means? The word anoint means to pour oil upon. So I believe it's God saying, when you're feeling down and out, go pour your life into someone else. Go pour into someone else's life. Go give to them. Go help them. Go minister to them. When you think everybody should be helping you, go and help someone else. That's the best way to get rid of that voice of flesh that wants to draw you back into an island and disconnect everybody. Say, nobody pays attention to me. Nobody cares me. Nobody's calling me. Go and pour your life into someone else. So I thought, why the three people, God? Why Hazael, king of Syria? Why Syria? We care about that. Why Jehu? And, And why Elisha? And here's what he brought out to me. Maybe this will speak to you. I looked at the meanings of the names. And here's the significance of, I believe, how why we need to hear the voice of God and recalibrate our ear to the voice of God. He said, anoint three people. Hazael, king of Assyria, Jehu, king of Israel, and Elisha, prophet in your place. Here's the first word. Hazael. Why did he say go anoint Hazael? The word Hazael means whom God sees. Whom God sees. So the first thing that I want you to know, whatever you're facing, the recalibrating your ear to the voice of God, you need to hear that God sees you. He is aware of what you're going through. He was saying to Elijah, I want you to anoint Hazael because I want you to know, uh, Elijah, I see you. I see Jezebel's threats. I see the enemy coming against you. I'm not blind. I know what's going on. I am aware. And sometimes the greatest encouragement we can have in our life is to know that God sees me. He sees what I'm going through. He sees what's happening to me. God is aware. I want to encourage you. No matter what you're facing, Proverbs 15.3 says it this way. The eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch on the evil and the good. Number one, you need to know God sees you. Look to your neighbor and say, he sees you. He sees you. 
We used to play club volleyball with a, with a family, and this one mother used to yell at her, her child every, every match. Her child wore number nine, and she used to holler out during the match, I see you nine! I see you nine! You know what I believe when I'm going through difficulties? I hear God crying out, I see you, Chad! I see you! I see you crying! I see you in pain, I see you hurting, I see you confused, I see you not understanding, I see you. (laughs) You need to know God's aware of your situation. He sees you. So that's the first anointing that needs to come upon our lives to hear, to recalibrate the voice of God, he sees me. Number two, Jehu, why Jehu? Why Jehu? The word Jehu means Jehovah or Yahweh is he. These are names of God. This means that he is able. It was God saying to Elijah, I want you to be more focused on who I am than who you are. I want you to get focused on me. Jehovah, Yahweh, I'm God. Did you forget who I am? The Bible says in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Will you recalibrate your ear this morning to the voice of God when he says these words to you? Uh, excuse me, I know what you're going through seems impossible. I know it seems overwhelming, I know it seems difficult, but I'm God. I just wanna remind you, I'm Yahweh, I'm Jehovah. I'm able, he's able. What you're facing is impossible to you. It's gonna be impossible to you. The journey's too great for you, but Jehu, spirit of Jehu, the anointing of Jehu on my life that I calibrate my ear to say, hey, God is able, he's with me. Moses asked him, said, God, who should I tell is sending me? He said, tell him, I am that I am. If you're feeling discouragement, you're feeling overwhelmed today, I want you to know that God's able. He not only sees you, but he's able. The last person he told him to anoint was Elisha. The word Elisha means God is his salvation or God saves. This speaks to me that God not only sees me, he's not only aware, he's not only able, but he's also active. He will save. He was telling Elijah, I'm not gonna leave you hanging. I'm gonna come through for you. Keep standing with me. Hang on, keep doing what I ask you to do. I am the God who saves. I'm the God who shows up when he promises to show up. I'm the one who's gonna bring the deliverance. Look to me, I am. The anointing of Elisha, the God who saved. Look what it says here in Psalms 37. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. He was saying to Elijah, I'm going to come through. Don't be afraid, don't quit, don't give up. I am the God of salvation. I'm not only aware, I'm not only able, but I'm actually gonna do something about it. How many has heard this prayer or said it yourself, said, well, I know God can, I just don't know if he will. Not only can he, Jehu, but Elisha, he will. He will, he's the God of salvation. 
And he goes on to tell him in verse 18, and by the way, you're not alone. I've still reserved 7,000 other prophets that have not bowed their knee. You're not alone in your situation. You may be going through a tough season. I encourage you to connect with family members here at the church. Connect with other people. Don't go at it alone. Get connected with somebody. Call somebody. Text them. Message them. Say, hey, I want prayers of agreement. He said, you're not alone, Elijah. I've not left you hanging. But you've got to recalibrate your voice because the voice of Jezebel is going to try and get you to quit, give up. The voice of the flesh is going to say, what about me? Self-pity. Nobody understands. Nobody gets it. But the voice of God is going to give you direction. And here's the direction. Go pour your life into other people. And three ways I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to tell you, hey, I see you. I see you nine. I see what you're going through. I see what's coming against you. It didn't catch me by surprise. It may have caught you by surprise, but it didn't catch God by surprise. And now not only am I able, I'm going to do something about it. I'm active. So let me ask you these questions in closing. Which voice are we calibrated to? The Spanish philosopher Jose Ortega Y. Gasset said this, tell me to what you pay attention and I will tell you who you are. Tell me to what you pay attention and I will tell you who you are. What voice are you paying attention to? The voice of the enemy that's discouraging, bringing fear and hopelessness. The voice of yourself which bringing depression and self-centered, me-focused. Or the voice of God who brings direction. Let me encourage you with this. The voice of the enemy, sometimes it's easy to recognize. The one that's the toughest to come out of is the voice of ourself. We get me focused. What about me? How I've been wronged? How I've been abused? How I've been taken advantage of? We get focused on that voice. And man, it's hard to recalibrate because it's us talking to ourselves and we're our biggest fans. I love me some me. You're going to protect yourself. You're going to applaud yourself. You're going to patch up. That's right. Absolutely. You deserve better. Come on. You are awesome. That's okay. You are awesome. But we got to hear the voice of God.